We all know that electric bikes have increased dramatically over the last several years. The technology finally made sense. The prices were right. The range is right. The power is right. Everything just works. I think electric motorcycles are the next electric frontier. And what I mean by that is that the power, the price, the range, it's starting to work. Now, if you look at electric cars, you would think that this would have been a little bit different, that we would have had electric bikes first, and then we would have had electric motorcycles, and then we would have had electric cars, because the smaller and lighter something is, the easier it is to get electric technology to work, to have great performance. But I think motorcycles kind of took a back seat, at least in North America, because they're just not as popular as other countries. But my opinion is that so many people are riding e-bikes right now and have been for the last few years. They're getting comfortable on two wheels. You have younger people that are getting started out on electric bikes. It's going to be a more natural transition to just want something else that continues to ride on two wheels and be comfortable with that. So that's why I predict electric motorcycles is going to be the next frontier. And I don't think it's just me because here are just a few of the names I've seen thrown out this year that have new bikes coming out that I don't think can be considered bicycles anymore. So, for example, Saron has the Storm B. They have the Saron X. There is supposed to be a street-legal version of the Storm B. Onyx has a bike they call the RCR, which, although it still has pedals, definitely goes way too fast to be considered a bicycle. Talaria Sting, this is an off-road dirt bike. Here in California, there's a new company that popped up called Rivet Anthem, and they have a motorcycle coming out that is 100% street-legal, goes 75 miles an hour. It's highway-capable. The Saunders Metacycle came out within the last year. Fuel has a motorcycle coming out this year. Rumble has a motorcycle. Volcon has several different motorcycle models. Super 73 has the upcoming C1X. Land Moto, Harley-Davidson. Saunders has released the MetaBeast kind of a competitor to the dirt bike Surons, but they also, again, are going to have some street-legal versions of this. CSC has the RX-1E, which is an adventure-style electric bike. You've got Maving, Black Tea, Cake, Persang, Damon, the Verge TS, Super Soko, the Coulter RS-1, and many, many more. The list goes on and on. Most of these bikes I just mentioned either just started selling within the last year or are going to have their first production units out in the next year. And I don't think we've ever seen this number of motorcycle companies to pop up and start selling a brand new product. So if you are one of those that is considering the leap, which may not be a leap, it may be a small step from an electric bicycle to an electric motorcycle, here are five things I think you should know before you make your buying decision. This might sound a little strange coming from me if you've been watching the channel or listening to the podcast for a long time because I have strictly been talking about electric bikes. What you may not know is that I have also been an avid motorcycle rider. My last motorcycle was a 2021 Honda CB650R. I really liked that bike, and if it wasn't for the health challenges I was having for the last year and a half, I would still have it. And honestly, 
I really wanted to buy an electric motorcycle when I bought that bike. That was the goal. And I researched everything that was available on the market two years ago, and there were far less options than there are today. And I had kind of narrowed it down to two different brands. Now, when I was looking a couple of years ago, there were really three big players in the market or three well-known players, I should say. Zero, definitely the most well-known. They've been around the longest, awesome motorcycles. But to get an equivalent performance bike, I was going to have to spend double the price. I was looking at something that I think was comparable to the Honda that I did buy, and it was going to be over $20,000. And I just couldn't justify it. That was just way too much money for me. I couldn't do it. But a lot of these motorcycles I just mentioned, are they as good as the Zero? No. But price-wise, they're half as much or a quarter as much. When you start getting into the five, six dollars to $10,000 range, I think things start to become more competitive. People are actually going to consider that as an alternate form of transportation. Energica, which is another one I really like. They are out of Italy, but they have dealers and bikes being sold here in the U.S. as well. Awesome motorcycles, very capable, but they have also gone towards that higher end. They used to have some models that had smaller battery capacities that were, you know, in the ten dollars to $15,000 range if you found them secondhand. Uh, but brand new, again, like the Zero, they're all over $20,000. And the third big name, of course, was Harley-Davidson with the Livewire, which has now split off into its own brand. I distinctly recall when they first started talking about it that they were maybe going to be around like 15000 I remember seeing an article, reading that number, and thinking, that's awesome. And then I distinctly remember that that price disappeared from the Internet, never to be seen again. And, of course, when it came out, it was $30,000. Livewire with the rebranding has reduced the price. I think they're around 20 now for the same exact motorcycle. So they've kind of fallen in line again with Zero and Energica. But these are high-end motorcycles. That is a lot of money to spend on a bike. You could go buy a car for that. You could even go buy an electric car once you factor in some rebates or local incentives for that kind of money. So what about all of these cheaper options that aren't necessarily cheap. Some of these are quite nice. How do you decide what is good and what is not? Because this is kind of a different ballpark from electric bikes. The components are different. The suspension's different. The brakes are different. The motors are different. Well, sort of. We still have things like mid-drives. We still have hub motors. Which one is right? So I want to break this down into five simple steps that I think you should look at. And starting with number one, I want to talk about legality. And I got to bring this up because it really depends on how you want to use the bike. Are you going to ride it strictly off-road? Are you going to ride it on-road, on the highway? Are you going to ride something that's just a tier above a bicycle and you're going to try and fly under the radar as if it is a bicycle, which I don't condone, but... Obviously, there are a lot of people doing that. So that's the first thing you want to look at because there are companies selling things like the Onyx, for example, and there's no law against selling something like that. I've considered selling them myself because they're pretty cool. The tricky part is what are they? Because it has pedals, so a lot of people are just buying them, not registering them, and just using it as a bicycle and getting away with it. Other people are registering them as mopeds in the respective state. And unfortunately, moped laws vary in every state. So whether or not you can or can't do that 
is kind of up to local jurisdiction. But then at the top end speed, these things can go like 50, 60 miles an hour. I've seen some even faster with modifications. Really, they should be classified as motorcycles. And then it's a matter of, do they even have a VIN number, DOT approved lights, tires? Is that something you can even do? So just be aware when you're looking at some of these bikes, you have to determine if it's even legal to do what you want to do. Now, Sir Ron was kind of flying under the radar as well, just being sold as an electric bike, which we all know it's not. It really is an electric dirt bike. Now, they have changed things moving forward, so now they come with VIN numbers. They're not going to be street legal for like the Sir Ron X that we're all used to and we've seen a bunch of, but the VIN number gives it an opportunity to where you can take that and get a green sticker for it. So now it is a legal dirt bike. So you can ride that in off-highway areas. Aside from, like I said, the Saron Storm B, which they have a dirt bike version, and they also had talked about a street legal version, which comes with turn signals and all of that. I've never actually seen one of those set up in the U.S. I don't know if they're even out yet, but you got to look at those things before you buy do you want to ride it on the road? Do you want to ride it off-road? And does the bike you want to buy fit into those categories? Now, when we go to something like the Rivid Anthem, this is just straight-up electric motorcycle. They're not trying to beat around the bush at all. There are no pedals on that. It goes 75 miles an hour on the top end, and it has everything a street-legal motorcycle will have, and you can easily register it as such. It is designed from that way from the ground up. But on the flip side... It has what I would consider a fairly small battery. It's actually the same size as the Saunders Metacycle at about 4 kilowatt hours. So it's kind of in this odd spot where it's it's nowhere near the level of a zero motorcycle or an Energica. But from a legal standpoint, it is definitely a motorcycle. So just be aware that this is kind of the Wild West, a new frontier, and how people are selling these is all over the place. And that kind of goes along with the power how much power do bikes have? How much power do you need? We all know that 750 watt is the legal limit for electric bikes. Well, when you get to an electric motorcycle, there is no power limit. It's just like vehicles and the cars that are on the road today. There is no maximum power. You're just supposed to follow the rules of the road and use common sense. Follow all the local traffic laws. But how much power do you actually need? to go what speed. I feel like this is a topic that hasn't been addressed a lot because everything is just too new. So for example, is 5,000 watts enough to go on the freeway? Or do you need 10,000 watts? Do you need 20,000 watts? And there are two kinds of motorcycles, I think, that are coming out right now. You have the city bikes, which sometimes go up to 60 miles an hour, maybe briefly 65. And then you have the actual highway-capable bikes. Now, a good example of a city bike, I think, is the Saunders Metacycle. They are advertising it as something that can go on the highway, that can go on the freeway. But I have watched a lot of the reviews, and over about 65 miles an hour, or at 65 it can actually only maintain some of its higher top speeds for a few minutes before it has an automatic, basically, cool-down period. And it doesn't show you on the screen when that's going to happen. It doesn't tell you for how long it's going to happen. The bike suddenly just reduces power 
drops you down to like 60 miles an hour, slows you down in traffic, and then at some point that power comes back. I don't really like that feature. I wish they would have just either not done that or I wish they would have some sort of indicator to tell you if that's going to happen. People said it's kind of alarming if they're going on the freeway for a short bit and all of a sudden their power reduces and they slow down uh, quite drastically. It's a little bit scary, but that's why I would classify the Saunders Metacycle as a city bike because it has a four kilowatt hour battery, which is enough to, I would say, maybe do 60, 70, 80 miles around town, around city. But if you really get onto the freeway, it doesn't quite have the power and it really doesn't have the range either. Some bikes are highway capable and some just really can't do it. And the Saunders Metacycle is rated for 14.5 kilowatt hour peak power. That is enough power to get it up to that high speed, but it just can't maintain it. So back to the power ratings. If you're looking at some of these bikes that still have pedals and trying to fly under the radar, so to speak, with about 5,000 watts, you really can get up to about 50 miles an hour on flat ground. If you get up to six, seven, eight thousand watts, you start getting into the 60 some miles an hour. There's going to be some variants like everything. Is that a hub motor, mid drive? How's the gearing set up? I was watching a video about the Rivet Anthem and they actually have optional gearing, which is pretty cool. So you can change it out whether you want to have more acceleration or better top end power. The CSC RX1E, which I am very interested in and it looks like a pretty good buy and it's coming out really soon has an 8-kilowatt motor, but it has 18 kilowatts of maximum power, and it can sustain 80 miles an hour. But on the flip side, it does not accelerate up to that speed very fast. I'm looking at their website right now, and it says it can get to 60 miles per hour in less than 9 seconds. So it's relatively slow for a motorcycle, but it's highway capable. They've geared it that way, and 18,000 watts is enough power that it can actually maintain that speed once it gets there. And they are, of course, running a slightly bigger battery at about 6 kilowatt hours, which I think helps get them to those speeds, and it makes the range make a little bit more sense. So just be aware with power, they're all over the place, anywhere from 5,000 watts for things that are being advertised as an electric bike, all the way up to 150 kilowatts, 150,000 watts for something like a Damon motorcycle. That's 200 horsepower, which is just absolutely insane. But whenever you get power like that, you are certainly going to pay for it. It is going to come at a very big cost. And most of that cost is the battery. So range, I said 4 kilowatt hours on a couple of these. Again, the Saunders Metacycle, the Rivet Anthem. I've seen others as low as 3 kilowatt hours. I think it was Kawasaki uh, showed off some very small, sporty-looking bikes. They look like the, the 125cc sport bikes sold around the world. And they were only advertising, I think, with like a 3-point-something kilowatt-hour battery, which I don't think is nearly enough for anything. I have a review coming up on an electric bike that has a 3-kilowatt-hour battery. The Velomobile I'm building 
has a four kilowatt hour battery. Three, to me, just isn't enough. Your range is going to be severely limited. If you're only going to go 20, 30, 40 miles around town, then I question why would you even buy a motorcycle at that point? An e-bike can do that job just as well, and you don't have to deal with all of the insurance registration, all the legal stuff that motorcycles have to deal with. You don't have to have a motorcycle license. For me, I think four kilowatt hours is kind of like the entry-level battery capacity. It doesn't really make sense to go any lower than that. To give you a couple of advertising examples, the Rivet Anthem says it has a 75-mile range in eco mode and 50-mile range in sport mode. And that sounds believable to me. The Saunders Metacycle with exactly the same battery capacity is saying 60 miles real world and 80 under ideal conditions. I'm reading something right now online. Guy says he's not been able to really go more than 30 miles on a single charge with 70% freeway and 30% city. So just be aware, four kilowatt hours can be enough to go 50, 60 miles, 75 miles if you're going real slow around town, like 35 mile an hour speeds. But if you're going to hit the freeway at all, really these things are down to like 30, 40 mile bikes. That's all you're going to get out of them. The CSC motorcycle, the RX-1E, which I mentioned is kind of a uh, adventure style bike with a six kilowatt hour battery. They advertise a range of 112 miles based on the new European driving cycle. I would just take that with a grain of salt because that's probably, again, at a lower speed. Yes, it is highway capable, but only going to be for a short distance. But yeah, still, 6 kilowatt hours, that's 50% bigger than the battery in those other two bikes. And it also doesn't have a lot of acceleration. So it's kind of in an odd place where it doesn't have... The greatest acceleration, it's not going to have the greatest range at the top end of the speed, but the MSRP is about 8500 bucks, which I think is reasonably priced compared to, again, some of those $20,000 motorcycles I talked about earlier. The Damon motorcycle I mentioned with, you know, 200 horsepower, you know, they're advertising that when those bikes are released, they're going to have 200 miles of range, which is pretty awesome. But again, you're paying tens of thousands of dollars to buy something like that from them or Zero or any other brand. And I'm not saying that under 100 miles of range is bad. My first electric car, brand new off the lot, had 80 miles of range. And that was enough. I drove that thing everywhere. I drove it to and from work. I could drive it to relatives. It worked quite well. And it had a 19 kilowatt hour battery brand new and it was a four-door tiny little sedan that could fit four people in it so a motorcycle is going to be obviously a lot lighter more efficient than that and we are seeing some motorcycles with batteries that big i would like to see more motorcycles around the 10 kilowatt hour battery size because then you start getting into the 100 to 150 mile range. And most people really don't ride that far in a single day. So for me, kind of like the sweet spot is 10 kilowatt hours, under $10,000, good performance. If some of these bikes can get down to six, seven, eight thousand with batteries of that size, then I think they are going to do quite well. Now, fuel is one of them that is advertising a 10 kilowatt hour battery. And I think they're going to be right around that $10,000 price range. 
So I would definitely keep an eye on that one, especially the fact that the founder has experience with motorcycles already. So I feel like that gives them a little bit more credibility. Now, as far as bargain deals, the best one I've seen lately that seems very attractive at the moment, but not very well known, is a company called Evoke. I have been watching their progress online for a few years. The bikes look pretty decent. They have kind of a classic style motorcycle, which I really like. They are working on a new cruiser bike, but right now their urban classic model has a 10 kilowatt hour battery, and they've been doing some deals uh, occasionally, getting them down into the $6,000 range. People were paying that much for a Metacycle that has less than half the battery capacity, and in my opinion, doesn't look as good as the Evoke does. I think it's just a matter of brand recognition that they don't have yet, which is why we're not seeing more of those on the road. But I'm really interested to see where that goes, because if they can keep that price up and the quality turns out to be good, I think they could be one to really take off. So there's a really wide range of prices, battery capacities, range. Again, it's kind of like power. It's kind of like the legality. It really is all over the map, and I don't think anyone has really figured out what most people want to buy yet. But when we talk about range, we kind of have to go to the next step, which is charging, because some of these bikes have level one charging. Some have level two. Some have level three. If that doesn't make any sense, don't worry. I'm going to explain it in just a moment, but that can make a really big difference on the range. Because I think if you have level three, which is fast charging, uh, the kind of high-speed charging that electric cars are typically using, very few don't come with level three charging nowadays, then the range doesn't have to be so big as long as you can stop and charge every once in a while. There are enough fast chargers around the country now that even small towns like where I'm in have a fast charger in town uh, we did not have, surprisingly, a Tesla supercharger station in for the last few years. There's actually one being built right now. So pretty soon you're going to be able to charge any sort of electric car as fast as you want, even in a fairly rural area. It's just happening more and more as time goes on. So level one charging is basically your standard household outlet. And pretty much all motorcycles are going to have that as an option. It's slow charging. It doesn't work that fast. It doesn't need to be as fast as an electric car because the batteries are much, much smaller. So as comparison, I've been talking about, you know, four kilowatt hours on some of these up to 10 kilowatt hour batteries. You know, an electric car may have anywhere between 60 and 100 kilowatt hours. So we're talking about 10 times the battery capacity to move a car or electric truck. Actually, some of them, the electric trucks are even more massive than that. You're talking like 200 kilowatt hours. They take massive amounts of power to move. But level one can be sufficient. A standard household outlet can handle 15 amps, which if I do the math on my computer, uh, that's about 1600 watts. You know, let's say you got a 20 amp outlet that's 2000 watts maximum. Let's say an ideal condition a 4 kilowatt hour battery, 2,000 watts, that means it would take you two hours to charge up, which is not that bad. That means if you plug in for just 
an hour at night and you only use half your battery during the day, you're going to be fully charged no matter what. Uh, I think if you can be fully charged overnight by morning, then, you know, level one is is really going to suit most people just fine. It's kind of those rare cases where you ran around town, you went to work, you went grocery shopping, you went home, and if you plugged in for an hour and you topped it back off, great. So for the general use case, like 95% of what people do day to day, level one's going to be perfectly fine. If you're going to start traveling further, you want to be able to charge faster. And because motorcycle batteries, again, are smaller, level two is probably going to be sufficient for most. Level three would be nice, but I don't think it's actually necessary for most of these battery capacities. So level two charging, these are stations you can find sometimes at grocery stores or, you know, in parking lots. Level two stations are chargers you can't have installed at home. They're 220 volts. You've got higher currents. You might have different types of chargers. I think the one I have at my house right now can go up to like 10,000 watts. So that means if the charger set up on the motorcycle allowed for it, I could charge a 10 kilowatt hour battery in an hour, which I think is very, very reasonable. So that's about as fast as you're going to get at home. What you will find, however, is that most motorcycles will not charge that fast. The chargers made for them might be you know, three kilowatts, they might be six kilowatts on the higher end. So a battery pack for a bigger motorcycle is again going to take two to three hours if it was totally dead at home or a level two charging station. Now, when you get into some of the higher end motorcycles, you will find a few that have level three. So this is 480 volts. So very high voltage. This is what you're getting at a supercharger station with a Tesla or any other fast charger for an electric vehicle. Some of these stations go up to 350,000 watts, 350 kilowatts, which means they can dump a lot of power very quickly. And these are the advertised numbers you're going to see when motorcycle companies are saying, oh, well, our bike can charge up, you know, 80%, which might be 150 miles of range or something in, say, 15 minutes. That's the kind of charger you need for that sort of situation. And again, most of the things that are out right now or coming out just don't need that. The batteries aren't big enough to where you need that much power unless you're going to go on long road trips on your electric motorcycle. Then definitely get something that has level three. That's going to narrow down your options dramatically and also going to increase your purchase cost. So keep that in mind with the range. Some things have chargers that you can just plug into an outlet anywhere. And I think that's going to be fine for most daily use cases. If you're going to travel a little further, you're probably going to want level two because you're going to have a bigger battery, slightly bigger bike with a bit more power. And if you're going to go on those long road trips, that's when you absolutely want to have level three charging available. And finally, motor types. You would think when we go to bigger motors, this discussion would be over about mid-drives versus hub motors, but it is not. There are, to my knowledge, no electric car companies using hub motors on the road today. Everyone is using a motor that's mounted inside the chassis somewhere with a driveline that goes out to the wheels. One exception that's coming up, which I actually really like, is a company called Aptera, making a super aerodynamic 
two-seat vehicle. It's going to have amazing range and solar capability, but that's a whole different podcast episode. But they are going to use hub motors. Now, for motorcycles, we see both being used. I am seeing hub motors used on street bikes quite often. And I think for an electric motorcycle, that's perfectly fine. People are talking about unsprung weight and handling And for commuting, for riding on the road, on the street, I think a hub motor is going to perform quite well and is not going to be a problem. A mid-drive would probably be my choice for a dirt bike, 100%. I have tried hub motors off-road on e-bikes. I've tried hub motors off-road on things that are more powerful, and they, they really don't handle as well. You do notice the weight in that rear hub, but on the street, you really don't. So if you're going dirt bike, I would say 100% go for a mid-drive motor setup. If you're going for something you're strictly going to ride on the street, you could go either way. So one exception to this is the Rivet Anthem. This is designed to be a street bike, but they've gone with a mid-drive, and they offer brand new two different gearing options. So if you want to have low-end torque, great acceleration, you can go with one gearing setup. If you want to go with more highway speed, cruising, higher top end, a little bit less acceleration, you can do that. you got to have a mid-drive if you want to have that sort of option. A hub motor is just one speed. There's really no changing it. It is fixed. So if you want to modify your bike as far as acceleration, top end, if you want to change the gearing out, if you want to mess with things like that, then I would go for the mid-drive. If you don't want to mess with things, if you want it to be simple, reliable. I think there's nothing wrong with a hub motor. Now, I am going to put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, this year. I'm already working on a couple of projects. Now, these are not things that are for sale, at least at this point in time. That's not the plan. I have a bike from a company called Denzel. It's the Samurai model. I bought it back in 2019, four years ago, but I was really motivated to get it going This year, because I'm starting to improve, I'm starting to get back to where I could ride a motorcycle again, hopefully soon. This time, I want an electric motorcycle. (laughs) I'm not going to go gas again, as much as I did like the, uh, the high revving sound of that Honda I had. Electric, I think, is definitely the way to go for performance, for maintenance. It just makes more sense, and I like the way everything electric works. So I'm going to get that Denzel Samurai going. It fits into the moped class. I actually have a legal California moped plate on it. It does have a switch for an off-road mode, which does make it go much faster, but it has a legal limited to 30 mile an hour on-road mode, and it's definitely not a bicycle. An off-road mode, uh, depending on the gearing, it's a mid-drive, and I have messed with this a little bit. Top speed's going to be somewhere in the 50 to 60 mile an hour mark. Now, for street legal purposes, I'm also working on a separate project, which I haven't told you guys about yet, and I'm not going to. You'll have to wait for a future video. It is a 100% street legal electric motorcycle, which I'm pretty excited about. It's a conversion, so I'm taking an existing gas bike and turning it into an electric motorcycle because I think that makes a lot of sense right now, too. Motors are affordable. Controllers are affordable. Batteries are getting more affordable, but I think that's a direction some people may want to consider, and I also think it's a great way to save old bikes that may have engines or other mechanical problems that we can resolve by just swapping out 
all of the guts with a motor and a battery. So stay tuned if you want to see those. I am definitely going to talk more about this. I'm going to be keeping my eyes on all of these electric motorcycles. If you are involved in one of these companies, definitely reach out. We'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast or even better, do some test rides with your bikes. This has been another great episode of the Area 13 podcast, and I will talk to you again soon.